you only live once. I said, mm, that's not true. You live every day. You die once. So that's why I wrote in the book, five minutes funeral. If you cannot fix the problem, it's five minutes funeral. You can cry over it, but five minutes, you're done. Because I don't want to waste more time. Hello and welcome. I'm Lori Hardy. Thanks for listening in as we talk to leaders. Joining me today is Harma Hartoni, self-made entrepreneur and developer. Harma shares a collection of life events that have been most impactful in leading him where he is today, a proud gay man living in Los Angeles, one of the most successful real estate entrepreneurs in America, and a husband and father of three. In his book, Getting Back Up, a story of resilience, self-acceptance, and success, some key factors are the harder you work, the luckier you get. Unsolicited advice should never be welcomed. That's my favorite. Have a five-minute funeral for every challenge and move on. Do the right thing and build your people so they can build you. Welcome, Harma Hartuni. We're so glad to have you on the show. Your book, Getting Back Up, A Story of Resilience, Self-Acceptance, and Success. Boy, how powerful for 2020. <laughs> Thank you so much for being Thanks. on the show. Why don't you just start by telling us your story? Thanks Laura, for having me. I appreciate this. My story, it's an interesting, complicated, challenging, rewarding with <laughs> lots of lessons. And my wrote the book because I thought I'm writing these books for my kids as a lesson. And then eventually my husband said, well, you must publish this, which it's most people don't like to share everything that has happened to them. I was born in LA and I was 30 days old as a new baby. My mom decided to move back to Iran, Tehran. They are Christian Armenians. I did not come back to the US until I was age of 19. I grew up in Iran. The half of the book covers Iran and lifestyle in Iran, which people were amazing. Government wasn't, but people, Muslim population over there, they were so nice to Christians. As a matter of fact, we were treated better because they trusted us more. And then at the age of 18, I hit a bus. My car got totaled. I walked out of the car and another car hit me <gasps> from the back and my both legs broke. Really thought I would never walk because that's, we were told I would never be able to walk again. After a few surgeries and eating anything anyone told me to do and any any type of stew that is sounds so disgusting, but old-fashioned way, they said, you need to eat this and you have to take this pill. I did it all and I moved to the U.S., to Los Angeles, and I never went back and I have no desire to go back. Just because my childhood growing up, I was bullied a lot and I was the feminine guy in a school. I didn't blend in. I didn't know what's wrong with me because I thought there's something wrong with me. Obviously the journey helped me moving here to first accept myself. Then I became selfish because I start caring about myself. <laughs> in my culture, when you put yourself first, that's just selfish. I had to be okay with it that to take care of myself. The guilt trip, the, all of that that I've gone through, I was going to be a dentist. We were very broke. I brought my mother and then my brother and sister. I had to be a dentist or attorney or something. Something I got to make, make sure they're proud of me because we live our lives to make others proud. Until you realize you shouldn't do that, then you're programmed and half of your life is gone. So I don't know what came to me and I came out to my mom. And I became an assistant to an agent. 
I supported them. My career took off in real estate. The first year in real estate, I sold 21 homes. And I was like, oh my God, this is so amazing. And I couldn't speak English. And I was like, oh my God, imagine if I was actually <laughs> good at this. My life grew. I am currently, after this is 18 years later, with lots of ups and downs and more downs than ups, currently own a real estate office that is the largest office in San Fernando Valley in LA. We did 1.2 billion in volume. I have 400 amazing agents very happy with what we have. And I have three kids. I'm married for 18 years and in a gay relationship, that's like long time for 18. Again, lots of upside down. And I decided many years ago that, oh my God, I actually can have kids. This is doable against the odds. I did everything possible. We did surrogacy and three dogs and two tortoises. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) That's my story. The short version. Man, I have so many questions. First of all, you were Armenian Christian. Correct. So when you came out to your mom, how did she handle that? That day was hell. So the way it happened, my mom had seen me doing things at a young age. She also knew, but she, of course, that's not true. Yeah. Because it's her son. And she was scared. We were very scared. My father was very abusive. He should have been a sperm donor. Let's just say that. She was very scared of him. I was. I was more scared for her because mm. she was always the point to be blamed. She was cornering me again and again. Where are you going? Where are you going? Where are your friends? And I was not ready because I didn't know I was. Mm-hmm. I was living my double life because I was like, oh my God, what is this demons? I'm going to, maybe I will heal. I even tried to go to military. I thought if I go there, I'll become more manly and become mm-hmm. butch and I will blend in. And it is a fate. Like I just had that in me and I was struggling with myself. But at one point my mom was pushing me and I pulled the car over. I said, what is it that you want to ask me? And I kind of wanted her to ask me for me to say it. So then I had to deal with it subconsciously. And then who are nothing. I don't want to to ask anything. I just want to, who are your friends? And I said, mom, I don't like women. She said, yeah, it's okay. You went through trauma with your legs accident. It's okay. I said, no, I really don't like women. And I could understand because I had so many girlfriends and girls all over me. So she was like, remembering that because mm-hmm. she chose to. And then I said, mom, no, I was like, you moved to the US and this is a big change. I was like, no, mom, I really don't like women. And I just didn't have the guts to say, I like men. When I finally said, I am what you think I am. You have seen it and mm-hmm. I am dealing with it myself. And she goes like, I don't understand. I said, I will never kiss a girl again. And she said, except for you, mama. (laughs) Exactly. I said, romantically, she goes, take me home. Uh, That is disgusting. So dropped her home. An hour later, my aunt called and said, where are you? You're killing my sister. You want to get home. She turned the gas on, closed the windows and she's killing herself. We went through that episode, crying, knocking, telling her, I just changed my mind. I no longer like men. The lies that I had to tell myself to actually, sorry, to <laughs> actually believe in myself, mm-hmm. that that's true. The journey continued, didn't just end right there. And I'm happy to share more, but she needed time mm-hmm. to accept me. Somebody so smart at that time. And I can't remember who, I mean, someone told me, it took you 21 years to come out to yourself. You expect your mom to love you in 20 minutes and be okay with what you just said. Okay, fair. 
she broke my phone one day. She thought people inside that phone are the people that are keeping me there. And then she threw my clothes in a dumpster, threw bleach on top. She thought that sort of the clothes are too, basically mm. too gay. And then fast forward, in my culture, you don't call when you want to go to someone else's house. You just show up. That's just the way it is. <laughs> Imagine you that. Just, yeah, they accept that. And so she, yesterday, I just put the food with the kids. I was alone. My partner was in a meeting and she just showed up, brought cake and food. And so she's the one, she reminded me my anniversary is coming up. So it's not, but the reason I'm sharing this, it was hell, but mm -hmm. it's so beautiful now. And she's very proud to tell people that she has an openly gay man. People hug her. So it's like a the journey. You yeah. have to go through it. When so. you said you were bullied in school and you thought, what is wrong with me? It just, it made me really sad. How awful that you have to think it's you, that something's wrong with you. Yeah. Aren't we programmed to do that? Yeah. Aren't we programmed to just, if someone says across the street, it calls you a name, bad name. We don't think maybe he's wrong. We look inside. Right? Exactly. And then we start building on that. And then we make the whole journey of that day change based on one unqualified or ignorant person calls us something. And then we just deal with it all day by ourselves. So I had to learn to push back and just be okay. I went to a doctor when I was 14 years old or so to a hormonal doctor, didn't tell anyone alone, trying to ask them to inject me with something so I can become hairy and manly and mm. more normal. And they ended up playing, let's just say with me and they were calling it, examining me. Mm. And I was mortified and I walked out of the doctor's office. It's in the book, I'm more in details. And mm. I was like, Oh my God, like I am like, mm. look at something is wrong with me because I did that because they were attracted to me. So then that build up and then so I, to go back and just heal over and over and yeah. so many more things. That's why the name of the book is getting back up. It wasn't one time. Yeah. So when you came back to the U.S., were your legs still broke? Were you still thinking maybe was, you wouldn't walk? I couldn't lift anything or run or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I'm very fine right now. I hike, I jog, I dance. I do a lot right now. Yes. Initially, I came here because I convinced my father that I'm going to go to the U.S. for three weeks vacation and come back. And that was it. The third day I said, I'm not coming. He, he wouldn't let you come and stay here. He didn't like the U.S. He oh. thought men here don't have powers and women make a lot of decisions mm. and he likes to be the men. So ironically, I understand him. It doesn't mean I agree with him. But in order <laughs> to move on, you have to understand people. And yeah. I understand how he was raised and he couldn't control my mom. Something else you said that really impressed me. Obviously, I can see you've done some really hard work by getting to where you are. But when you said, number one, learning to love yourself and how that was so bad. And I often tell my clients, it's not selfish, it's self-full. How did you come to a place where you could accept that and go, hey, no, it's okay to self-nurture? It's interesting you asked me that. I almost was disowned by everyone oh. around me. Mm -hmm. So it was easier to be selfish because I no longer had people to please. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So yeah. I, I feel when you are not able to love yourself because there are people around you constantly taking it mm -hmm. and you got to have a moment to just take care of yourself. I, it's like I was sent to an island and all the boats were burned and they're like, live your life now, find a way. So I had no choice. Uh -huh. So when you have this false hope, 
you carry on. And I had no choice to heal myself fast. Mm -hmm. And that was the moment that I did nine years of therapy every Wednesday. I did Landmark Forum. I did so many other type of self-developments. I group therapy events, coaches. I still have coach. I have coaches all my career, from career to personal, constantly. I spend a lot of money of my life just to make sure that I don't get off track. I just have to say personally, as a coach, I love it that you said that because I don't think people really understand the value of a coach. It's so different than a therapist. Therapists are so important, and they diagnose, and they give advice, and coaches are your cheerleaders, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm so glad that you said that. I'm kind of in awe of you at looking at how you have walked through this, and it seems like you've done it in a way of kind of being able to maybe let people off the hook that aren't uh, being kind by taking care of yourself, like rather than trying to please them, you're saying, you do you, I'll do me. And when you think about 18 years ago, that, I mean, if you had to do it today, it would be a lot easier than 18 years Absolutely. ago. Yeah. I wouldn't want it any other way, by the way, where everything I've gone through, my, the leg being broken, that was my rebirth. Mm. I was able to move here. Otherwise, I had to marry a woman, mm-hmm. follow my dad's business, and just shut up and do what he said. So I've managed to have this life because wow. of that leg. So I'm, I, if I have to go back and say, you're going to go through that pain again, absolutely. Now, of course, you, throughout the process, I would have smiled more knowing <laughs> where I will be. But so anyone who's going through anything, I will say that the difference between a human being and a rock when they get pushed down off a cliff is like we are all going down. We're just making so many noises and crying and complaining, but we're all going to the same path. So you have a choice every day with the challengers dealing with to think it's that's the last day of your life. Or if it's not, then that means it's not the end of the problem. Just move on. Find a way to move on. So that's why I wrote in the book, Five Minutes Funeral. If you cannot fix the problem, it's five minutes funeral. You can cry over it, but five minutes, you're done. Because I don't want to waste more time. My, uh, my body is not the same. Yeah. I'm getting older. Things are not the same. My priorities are not the same. So why would I cry over the same thing that I, I really cannot change? I cut people that they are negative. I don't engage bec- to make them wrong because I need to be right because it doesn't go far. And success is the best revenge. I focus on not listening to people. Well, they're not qualified. So that's why I have a coach. I never met someone successful without a coach. So why would I be the first one try mm-hmm. to have no coach? Like I'm just going to make sure I always have a coach and different part of my life. It depends what you surround yourself with. In just the things that you have said so far in our short little interview, and I think you have 400 people that work for you and you get to speak into their lives with this kind of, it's not that false positive. We've all seen those people, right? Oh, everything's fine when it's not. You're saying face the struggle, have a funeral, and move on. And seriously, how many times do terrible things happen and people are like, you know, if that wouldn't happen, I wouldn't be here today. 100%. I remember when I was a broker of an office, I had one day, such a bad day, was just not ending. And I called another person as a mentor and i said this is this has happened and i just complain 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 and he go and this is after me 
going through so much in life. So you will think, oh, you do want through it. So you will be just a positive man every single day. No, it's so hard to be positive, right? He goes, are you done? I said, yes. And he goes like, well, this is not going to be the last day of your life that is going to be crappy. <laughs> so move on. And I was like, <laughs> deal with it. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, you didn't help. He goes like, okay, well, good night. And I was, I hung out. I was like, he's right. I mean, in three months, I might have another crappy and this crappy day won't matter. So if you think ahead, mm -hmm. it's easier for you to accept where you're at. I think sometimes there's like this myth that if you go through a hard time and you get up, that then life's going to just be good. And the truth is, life is life. Good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. And it's really on how you deal with it, right? Someone said that today. It goes like, you only live once. I said, mm, that's not true. You live every day. You die once. That's so good. What you said earlier, every day is a choice. You're making that choice to move on. And when you look back now, like, so I'm also a traffic reporter at the radio station. And yeah. If I get a flat tire on the freeway, I don't stop. I get to an exit and a gas station, even if I ruin my wheel. Why? Because that happens. What happened to you? You have an accident, you get out, and then somebody's distracted, and they turn and they hit you. It's like a double whammy that happened, and yet you have found a way to make it into something amazing and to be able to bless the people around you. Be a, I really hope so. Yeah, be a mentor and a good example. I just did this study on false positivity and how when people come across that way, that everything's fine, that other people can't relate. So they feel like, well, I'm not going to share my struggle because obviously they've never struggled a day in their life where mm -hmm. really we want to talk to someone who's been there, done that, right? Yeah, I, I had a meeting recently with someone who was talking about how they were because of COVID shot, that person was so sick and complained that for two weeks, I didn't do this and that. That is the reason why he didn't go to listing appointment. He didn't attend to our meetings and on and on and on. And two weeks. And I just last year, exactly right after COVID, I went through major gut issues. I found out that I have a SIBO, I have mold infections, I have a leaky gut. I didn't know any of this and just all came to me. I had low energy. I was nauseous every day, but I was pushing through. And then of course I've been in heaviest medication antibiotics every single day for 18 pills and I just work. And when she said all of that, I was just listening and I was like, so you chose not to work for two weeks. That's okay. That's a choice but you can't keep crying here now that you have nothing going on. You chose that. It wasn't the COVID shot. It's you. You chose that. I chose through the 18 pills a day and being nauseous to work. So now I'm benefiting from the market. Mm -hmm. So, but obviously it, you can't push back for someone who is on a different page. So I just stay quiet. I, that was the moment I realized, okay, Harma, you did it once again, you know, because some people cannot push forward. So and again, anyone who's listening to this, I really hope they know that you will think when I was just talking, nothing happened to me last 12 months. I mean, I have three kids. I was crying because I couldn't go to the pool with them because I just felt so sick. And the moment I felt good, I had to take another three pills. Oh. So it was just ongoing. I'm great right now. I'm feeling from 10. I went to three. I'm much better. And I'm grateful that I was diagnosed finally. Mm -hmm. And some people, they won't even make that effort. But you can go through whatever it is 
you owe it to your body and your people that you love that they've been there for you to get back up show them that you're living your true life with difficult things around you because if if you're just keep crying you're actually hurting not only yourself people around you yeah and i don't i don't think people realize that that they're hurting other people they're just like well i'm sick when you said now i'm only taking three pills just the fact that we all know people that could get well and they're not. It's like, well, why won't you get that treatment? It's Absolutely. hard to understand. But like you said, you got to want it more than the people around you. And I, that's very hard when you don't want it and everybody wants you to get healthy. And so I say good job to you for your kids that you're willing to keep pushing forward. Number one, getting diagnosed, then doing what you needed to do to get well Mm-hmm. And that's honoring to your family. Yeah, I they didn't they didn't choose to be born right. I did this, so I gotta stick around and give them the best I can. So that's awesome. Well, thank you so much. I'm just grateful that you did this for me. Thank you. I'm just so impressed by your story and then meeting you. Well, in person, I wish I could hug you. I think that's what we all want to hear is that we all have obstacles and we can overcome them, and it doesn't mean that it's like magical and unicorns and rainbows, but it's so much better when Mm -hmm. we get back up. Myself, my life, I've had some challenges and you can see the radio sign behind me. I tried to get back into radio later in my life and I didn't think it would happen, but for all the naysayers, I just kept going. If I can show my kids to pursue and to keep getting back up, then I feel like I've done my job. Oh yeah, by the way, I reap the benefits of having an awesome job too. So, um, and you set an example and with you doing this show, you're, you're setting example. You can take people to the water. You just can't make them drink it. And I coach and I say things and I will say it's 80, 20 rule. 20% will listen. The other 80 will just smile and move on. You do what's your best. And then you hope others will benefit from it. Some people are not ready they just get they get ready when they are ready. Yeah. But the whole idea is that we have so many other things happening to us in our world. So let's not make ourselves to be killing our own body. Yeah. I'm so glad you decided to publish this book. I have a friend who was diagnosed with stage three lung cancer. He was told he was going to die. He wrote a book for his kids. And now he's still alive 12 years later, so we published it. I love that. Your book is Getting Back Up, A Story of Resilience, Self-Acceptance, and Success. And where can I get that book? It's on Amazon. Thank you so much, Harma Hartuni. The book is Getting Back Up, A Story of Resilience, Self-Acceptance, and Success. Again, he's a self-made entrepreneur and developer. He shares a collection of life events that have been most impactful in leading him where he is today. A proud gay man living in Los Angeles, one of the most successful real estate entrepreneurs in America, and a husband, a father of three. Born in America, raised in Iran, where he survived abuse from his father, sexual assault, bullying, and a near-death accident. He's learned that life is never about what happens to you. It's about what you do with it. In his story, he finds his voice and living with his truth, even when he was an outcast and all odds were against him. Hopefully this will help you to face your own battles head on and find your own well-deserved happiness. Key points in this book, the harder you work, the luckier you get. Unsolicited advice should never be welcomed. 
have a five-minute funeral for every challenge, and then just move on. Five minutes funeral. If you cannot fix the problem, it's five minutes funeral. You can cry over it, but five minutes, you're done. Because I don't want to waste more time. Always do the right thing. Build your people so they can build you. You can get the book on Amazon, Getting Back Up, A Story of Resilience, Self-Acceptance, and Success. You only live once. I said, "Mm, that's not true. You live every day. You die once. I'm Lori Hardy. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you have learned something new. I know I have. Join us next week as we continue to talk with people who are making a difference in our community and beyond. You only live once. I said, "Mm, that's not true. You live every day. You die once. So that's why I wrote in the book, Five Minutes Funeral. If you cannot fix the problem, it's five minutes funeral. You can cry over it, but five minutes, you're done. Because I don't want to waste more time.